Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Parenthood Podcast. We're recording today's episode on Friday the 12th of October, the middle of Baby Loss Awareness Week. Now, some of you might be listening to this thinking you don't really want to hear about baby loss. If you're pregnant, you don't want to obsess about the darkest possible outcome. Rather, you want to surround yourself with positivity to think about holding your baby in your arms alive rather than dead. And of course, you have a point. But unfortunately, pretending baby loss doesn't happen doesn't make it go away. In fact, quite the opposite is true. The more we inform and educate parents about their pregnancies, the less likely they are to experience baby loss. Many of you will know that I'm no stranger to baby loss myself. My first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage and my third child, a little boy called Willem, was stillborn. The German philosopher Nietzsche observed, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I remember thinking of this as I lay in intensive care following Willem's death, empty, lost, defeated, and thinking that this was absolute rubbish. There was no way that my battle-worn self could emerge stronger after this horror. But as with many things in my life, I was wrong. In the years since the tragedy of losing a baby blighted our lives, I've done things I never thought I could do. And I'm not alone in this. Sitting with me this morning is one of the most inspirational women I've ever come across. Heidi Eldridge is a busy mother and founder of Mama Academy, an initiative focused on giving life-saving information to pregnant women in ways that are impossible to ignore. Heidi, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. But like, like me, you too have a story. And um, Mama Academy, which we're going to talk about in a bit, was born out of your experience. Talk me through what happened. So uh, back in 2009, I was pregnant with my first baby. Obviously, everyone was excited. He was going to be the first grandchild to my parents. And we were all waiting his arrival. We got everything ready, the nursery, bought a pram. And then right at the end of pregnancy, I was nearly 37 weeks. It was actually my last day at work. Um, so we were all excited, thinking that we were going to have a little leaving do that night. And I pretended not to see the card being passed around as people were signing it and things. And I thought, oh, how lovely. I'm going to go on maternity leave now and sort out my my bag and what to pack. And then I had a routine midwife appointment around about lunchtime. So I popped out, went to see my midwife. And it was there that she couldn't find his heartbeat. She had the um, sonic aid and she was trying to find it and she was prodding my tummy here and there. And she said to me, when did you last feel him kick? 
And I said, oh, I said, I'm not too sure. I was like, could it have been at work when I was sitting at my desk? Was it on the drive to work that morning? Actually, was it last night before I went to bed? I couldn't actually remember because not once during my pregnancy had anyone said to me, oh, you should monitor your baby's movements and keep track of them. So she told me to go down to the local hospital. So I picked my husband up on the way. He was a lot more concerned than I was, to be honest. I was, I felt I was quite naive. I thought, well, if there's a problem, they might have to induce me early, something like that. And I was in the car on the way to the hospital. I was still talking about my leaving do and the logistics of that. I said, oh, I'll see you later. So when we got to the hospital, a sonographer was waiting for us because my midwife had rang ahead to tell them I was coming. And they scanned me and they just said those terrible, awful words. They said, I'm just so sorry, but he's gone. And I remember screaming. I remember sort of trying to pull my eyelids apart, thinking this is a nightmare. It's a dream. I'm going to wake up any second because I just didn't believe what they were telling me. And I had felt Aiden move inside me, but he wasn't actually kicking. And so I didn't know the difference between him just sort of floating around and actually kicking me because I wasn't told to monitor that. So obviously then the nightmare kind of began from that point onwards. My husband had to ring my boss and tell him I wasn't coming back to work so there'd be no leaving due. And then he had to ring his parents And we had to tell all our family and friends, which was just really, really difficult. And then, of course, you had to give birth to him. Yes. So I remember asking, well, what happens next? What happens now? And so that's when they explained that they would start the induction process um, and that I'd have to give birth. And I remember being in disbelief to begin with, thinking, well, surely you'll just give me a C-section. I can't possibly go through birth and not have a live baby at the end of it there'll there'll be no cry that's the first thing I thought of um but yeah unfortunately they said you've got to give birth and actually looking back at that I'm so pleased I did because my subsequent pregnancies had to be c-sections in the end and so actually Aiden is the only one that I was able to give birth to And afterwards, I still felt so proud of myself. (laughs) I was quite scared about giving birth anyway, which I think is quite natural in pregnancy. And I'm quite a small person. And I thought, oh my goodness, how's this going to work? But actually, when I had given birth to him, and he was actually breech as well, I was just so proud. I still had that feeling of achievement and that I was still able to do something for my son. So I'll always carry that with me. And obviously, you know, the, what follows those dark days, I know firsthand how difficult it is, you know, how it was best described to me, or at least I think how I can best describe it is adjustment. You can't believe what's happened to you. And every moment you forget, you think, did this really happen? I've, I found I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, was, did, you find, did you find that adjustment tough? Did you keep on finding yourself forgetting? Yes, it was really hard because you've planned so much for nearly nine months and then suddenly you're having to reprogram your mind. So um, we went to church quite regularly and so I was expecting to take him into the creche in church and 
I was expecting to put his name down for the local nursery and I had all these plans of meeting up with my friends who just had babies recently and suddenly you just think oh my goodness that's not going to happen. Had you done an antenatal class? Had you got a kind of bunch of mum friends who were all giving birth at the same time as you? Yes I had and I was particularly close with one family who we still see now we're still really good friends with now but that was really hard because I felt at the time that I couldn't tell her I thought, how am I going to tell her that my baby's died? And so I actually got the antenatal teacher to give her a call and let her know because I knew she'd be contacting me, wanting to meet up, which was really hard. And she'd be asking me certain questions about my pregnancy. And obviously I'd, I'd be too upset to talk about it. And I just thought, I don't want to scare her. I don't want her to think that the same thing's going to happen to her. So I waited until after she'd had her baby and then I got in touch with her after that and did you meet her baby and did you find that very difficult it was very difficult very difficult but I just tried to put on a brave face and I was I was still so I still had that joy for her I was still over the moon for her that she got her happy ending if you like and I just had to hold on to hope at that moment that it wasn't my time and at some point in the future it may happen for me yeah I think those firsts are the hardest aren't they I remember vividly the first time I held a baby and it was the baby of a friend of mine we were pregnant together and it was grueling and it was emotional and I was so proud of myself when we had done it and it I think I don't know. I don't know if you felt the same thing, but I felt the first time I held a baby was the hardest. And then I didn't really think about it anymore. And I'm so glad I did that. I kind of forced myself to do that quite early on because it meant that, I don't know, part of me felt that so much had been taken away from me. If I then couldn't be a part of the joy of my friends giving birth, it would have taken more away from me. Mm -hmm. And so I was really glad I pushed myself to experience the hard things so that they didn't need to be bigger than they were if that makes sense mm, mm. yeah but obviously out of your experience which is awful um was born an idea of these well-being wallets uh, which is the sort of purpose at the moment of, of mama academy which is the the charity you've set up so tell me about how the well-being wallets came about and what inspired you to think actually that we need to be doing something and this is how we can resolve this so at the time Aidan died, I was told it was just one of those things, nothing could be done. And in your next pregnancy, you'll get extra monitoring. And so obviously at first I was quite angry at that because I thought, well, the next pregnancy I'm going to get extra monitoring. I should have got lots of monitoring this time, you know. He, he wasn't a practice run, he was my son. So I took it upon myself to do lots of research and actually he was growth restricted and they didn't tell me that and that was because of the placenta that was because of the placenta yes and actually the vast majority of stillbirths are growth restricted there's a problem with the placenta and the oxygen doesn't get through to the baby and so they don't grow to what they should so he was only just over five pounds when he was born at nearly term so he was he was small so I did lots of research and I thought actually there are quite a lot of things that can be done to reduce stillbirth. And around that time, people were just sort of starting to explore this idea. 
in 2011, a Lancet report came out and said that, yes, the majority of stillbirths are preventable because they happen so close to term. So then I was on a mission. I was really determined to get awareness out there and get information to pregnant women, information about signs and symptoms that they should report to their midwife straight away. And I know as women, sometimes we feel that we might be a nuisance and we don't really want to pester the midwives and unnecessarily cause alarm. But actually, it's really important because the UK has got one of the highest stillbirth rates in the developed world. And yet we don't really know about it because we don't talk about it. So I went to Facebook, first of all, and set up a page to raise awareness of certain conditions of pregnancy that women should be aware of. And what were these? What, what were your sort of targets in the beginning? So um, I thought it was important for women to know how to monitor their baby's movements, to notice a pattern, because there was a real myth at the time that it's okay if babies kick 10 times a day, which actually isn't true anymore. It's about getting to know your baby baby and learning their pattern because obviously some babies can kick like 100 200 times a day Um, and just the importance of telling your midwife as signs and symptoms of preeclampsia such as um, puffy face and swollen ankles and um, just to have the confidence to make that call if in doubt get checked out Mm. so because with the with the movements really it's about a change in the baby's pattern as opposed to the amount you know it's really interesting because we're all active we look at our children and they're all active but in different ways and if your baby has been really active and then they're not so active that's a warning sign but if they've never been that active and then and that hasn't changed that's nothing to worry about yes it's it's so it's about that change in the pattern which is the kind of the key isn't it yes and to seek help straight away to to report it straight away because sometimes we can think oh well I've got a midwife's appointment in a few days time or next week I'll just tell them about it then but actually if your baby isn't moving as well as it should then that's a sign that they're unwell and so they need to get help quite quickly and you know you mentioned before that people are sometimes a bit loath to kind of call the midwives and be a nuisance but actually the midwives will be really cross with you if you come in going actually movements did slow down about a week ago but I thought I'd just tell you you know they will be furious that you didn't come in <laughs> because midwives want to deliver healthy babies that you know the trauma of delivering a, a a stillborn baby for a midwife is is pretty pretty bad I mean it's obviously worse for the parents but next worse it's for the person who's job it is to make sure they get delivered safely yeah and they love giving reassurance if Mm. everything's fine then that's great they'll Mm. give reassurance and they'll always say to you if it happens again come straight back don't think because everything was all right last time it's going to be okay this time what people forget you're not waking anyone up when you call the hospital at two o'clock in the morning there's someone there whose job it is to take your calls and work out whether or not you need to be seen yeah definitely so, so signs of um, the, the fetal movement and then there's the preeclampsia as you were talking about or any other sort of significant sort of warning signs for pregnant mothers. So um, there's different signs of infection as well. If you feel any pain in your tummy, especially near the ribs, that should be reported. And again, for me, when I was pregnant with Aiden, I remember just a few days before he was born, I went for a walk and had a really sharp pain in my side. And I had to stop for a little while until the pain passed. And again, I felt that if I was empowered with all this knowledge, 
and had the confidence to report certain things, I could have called the midwife at that point and gone in and got checked. And, you know, I don't know what would have happened, but it may have made a difference. So that's something to look out for as well. And presumably a temperature too. If you've got a temperature in your pregnancy, again, that's a sign of infection and something that is not normal and you want to, you know, you want to be checked out immediately. Yeah, any any fever at all or blurred vision anything like that, anything that doesn't quite feel right as well, just trust your instincts and, and go and speak to the midwife. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So you started this Facebook group as a way of getting information out, but then you thought, maybe there's a better way of actually conveying this information because obviously you need to sign up to this Facebook group and a lot of people that need the information don't think they need the information so aren't going to actively sign up. Yes, yeah, so I got lots of feedback and people were saying, oh, you know, that's really helpful. I, I didn't know about that. And also midwives were saying, well, this is really helpful because... I didn't know how to approach the topics with pregnant women. I didn't know how to talk to, the, to them about it. I didn't want to scaremonger them. So I was in a hospital waiting room once and saw um, women coming in and out and they had so many bits of paper, notes and scan pictures and it was all getting really tatty. And some of them actually bought plain plastic wallets to put their stuff in. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a wallet that everything could go in the midwives would find everything easily and it would have all the essential information printed on it because in pregnancy you are bombarded with so much information, a leaflet on this and a leaflet on that and you can't take it all in and you need to know what those key essential bits are. So that's when I came up with the idea of producing the wallet. So we piloted it in our local hospital to begin with um, and then suddenly it just kind of spiralled from there and now they're in about two-thirds of trusts about 85 trusts across the country and these wallets we've got we've got one here actually I'm just looking at it now um it's it's I mean it's a lovely big wallet perfect for all those notes anyone who's been pregnant or is pregnant will know that there are a lot of handheld notes that you kind of have to have on you the whole time but printed on on the sort of outside are very straightforward simply worded call your maternity unit immediately if normal signs of labor are so it's like these kind of bullet points that are the most important safety pieces of information for for new mums I mean I love it because you know you look at this and it's very straightforward but also you have your notes around you the whole time so that even if you don't sort of actively read it and actively think about it it's 
going in. Um, and it's not just actually the mum, it's often the partner that will be looking at it and going, hang on, it says here a high temperature, you've got a temperature, maybe we should do something about this. So it's not just the mothers it's educating, it's the, the fathers potentially as well. Absolutely, yes. I had a, a midwife that spoke to me um, a few months ago. I was at a conference actually up north and she said, oh, you won't believe this. She said, a lady came into the hospital the other day. She said she hadn't feel, felt her baby move for a while. So we hooked her up to the CTG monitor and there was definitely, you know, decelerations in the baby's heartbeat. So we decided to deliver the baby there and then. And she said, the only reason why I came in today, she said, was because I was on a bus. She said, and the lady in front of me that was sat in the seat had this big colourful wallet sticking out of her handbag. And it was the the corner of it was talking about baby's movements. And so I just sat there on the bus and read it. And that's when I realised that I hadn't felt the baby move much today. So I came in. And I thought, oh my goodness, so they're even having impact on the bus. You know, yeah, people I, are actually, My hairs are standing on end. Seeing that, hearing that story, that's amazing. I mean, that's a baby that you directly saved, Heidi. That's amazing. <laughs> She's not agreeing with me, but <laughs> <laughs> there is a big smile coming from opposite me. I mean, I think that is, it just shows. And I mean, there's hundreds of stories like this, aren't there? Yes, just the other week, um, we had a couple in Chesterfield. And again, she felt that something wasn't quite right. She had an uneasy feeling. She had a pain in her stomach and she thought, I think I really need to go up to the hospital. Um, She looked at the wallet and there it said, trust your instincts, make that call. So she did. She rang up and she went in. And again, um, her baby was deteriorating quite quickly. They had to deliver the baby there and then. She was only 28 weeks pregnant. And the baby spent eight weeks in NICU, but he's now doing really, really well. And they came home on Friday. And it was just such a fabulous story. She contacted me and she showed me a a photo of baby Devin. And it's just, you know, you just get that warm feeling when you think, my goodness, you know, I've made a difference here. My determination has has pulled off. Mm. And um, the message is, is getting out there. And midwives are loving the wallets too, aren't they? Yeah, they find it really helpful because they act as a prompt, really, so that they know to talk to women about certain symptoms and certain signs that, and, and they just you know, reassure them that it's okay to pick up the phone and, and make the call. So as well as the wallets, we've expanded and we now um, create workshops, stillbirth prevention workshops for healthcare professionals. And we make leaflets in lots of different languages. So we've got Polish and Turkish. um, So midwives can come and get those leaflets from us free of charge. We do pictorial posters as well for all the different NHS trusts across the country. And we're currently working closely with the London Ambulance Service to, um, we produce home birth cards. So if a midwife needs an ambulance quite quickly to transfer a woman to hospital, she'll ring this particular number and she'll get an urgent response. Amazing. Really fantastic. Um, And in terms of the future, I mean, I know that, you know, from speaking to you, one of your ambitions was to have the wellbeing wallets literally distributed to every pregnant woman in the country. So you said about two thirds of hospital trusts now give them out routinely. I mean, I see girls coming to the bump class the whole time with with their wellbeing wallets. And it gives me such pride to see um, to see what you've and and they love them. I've been speaking to them. They've said, no, this is fantastic information. And and also it's really practical being able to put all your notes in one place. Um, how 
But there's obviously a cost issue and that's what the sort of charity is trying to support. So how much do the wellbeing wallets cost? They cost just 55p each. And does the NHS, does each trust foot the bill for that or is that you footing the bill for that? How does that work? So a lot of the trusts purchase them themselves. For the trusts that don't have um, the required budget that they need, we go out to um, other small charities and they sponsor the wallets themselves. So we've had a lot of support from local charities, which is absolutely fantastic. We're all working together for the same aim. And we need to um, up our fundraising. (laughs) We need to get on board with uh, raising funds so that we can hand them out to every trust. And some trusts have gone paperless. They don't have antenatal notes anymore. Um, But we're putting together a special package for them so that mums can still get a laminated um, card um, to stick on the back of their toilet doors. So it's still absolutely, you know, having the same effect. So we've got lots of packages for different sized trusts out there. Fantastic. Um, I'd, I'd like to sort of, you know, bring it back to sort of how this project has helped you and your grief process. I mean, you do see people who get involved in charity and prevention of what happened to them and find that that actually really helps with the recovery. Has it been helpful for you? Absolutely. I've gone on to have two other children now. I'm so blessed. They're five and eight. And it just reminds me that I've missed out on the things that I would have done with Aidan. So this is my way of doing something for him, really. I didn't want his death to be in vain. So that's why I've used this tragedy to try and make a difference to others. I was so determined that other families wouldn't go through the same as what I went through without having the chance to know the information that's that's available. So I feel that I am a completely different person now. (laughs) I've had to arrange meetings with the Department of Health and NHS England and MPs and go up to Parliament And I remember the first time my local hospital asked me to come in and share my story at a midwife study day. I was so nervous. I was shaking like a leaf. I felt so sick. I thought, how am I going to get through this talk? Especially to talk about something that's so raw and emotional. Um, But I did it. And it was at that point that I realized I had changed. I wasn't the person I was anymore. I used to be very, very shy and timid and didn't really say boo to a goose. But this has just made me really determined to make a difference. And so now I am really strong and, and that fear factor is gone. I'm not frightened to you know pick up the phone and, and talk to the BBC or whoever it is. Because when you hear stories of babies' lives being saved, it just puts everything into perspective. It's an amazing story. They talk about sort of post-traumatic growth and the idea that people become bolder and stronger and less fearful after a traumatic event. And I guess it does prove Nietzsche right. Um, I was thinking about this today on my run. I was sort of wondering why. And I remember thinking, because I'm definitely similar to you, I've done things I never would have thought I was able to do. I tremble like a leaf being on sort of live TV. And I've pushed myself harder since Willem died. And I think part of me thinks nothing will ever be as painful as the moment I learned my son didn't survive and nothing will be as physically painful or terrifying as life without him. And I think that has made me realize that actually you can push yourself really hard. And if you sort of step into that scary situation, if you stick your head above the sort of parapet, 
you're often really rewarded. And I kind of like to think that's a bit of Willem's legacy. You know, it's heartbreaking that he wasn't able to live with us and live the rich life that his brother and sister live. But his death wasn't in vain. You know, I feel that a lot of good has come from it. And I think that is really comforting in a, when you're in a situation which just seems desperate and sad. Absolutely. Um, do you, do your younger children, do they talk and know about Aidan? Is he a kind of part of your conversation? Yeah, he's very much part of the family. So every year on his birthday, we do something in memory of him. Um, you know, we might go to Legoland or, or something like that. So the children something love fun. it. Something really fun. Yeah, we celebrate him. You know, I don't want his life to be um, sort of clouded in misery for them. We just we just celebrate the fact that he's there. Um, sometimes they ask, oh, what football games will he be playing in heaven? And what, what, you know, what toys would he like? And things like that. And then it kind of opens up all sorts of different questions. But we have his hands and footprints mounted and, you know, that's very much a pinnacle on our sort of mantelpiece at home in the lounge. Um, and so he is very much part of our family. And, and we always talk about him now and then when the children want to talk about him, then I quite openly discuss it. And I think that's really important for them, really, to, to be a part of it and to know that they have got um, another brother but in heaven. And I, I love the idea of, you know, I think the anniversary, I always feel really sad on the anniversary of, of Willem's death. It's always a bit of a dark month for me, actually, that sort of anticipation. But I love the idea of doing something really spoiling and fun and happy and as you would be doing on a birthday. I um, It's actually, after Willem died, I remember one of the first things I said to my sister, actually, I was, she had to go home and tell the kids and um, because Ben was away. And I said, tell them we're going to get a puppy. And so we did. We got a puppy, a black Labrador, who is here. And um, about a year after she was born, I was like, I wonder when her actual birthday is. And I looked at her birth certificate and it was actually on Willem's due date. And it was just oh, so wow. weird. And so we do a birthday party for her every year. And it's this mad, it's this weekend. I'm literally, after this, I'm going to bake a dog cake <laughs> for dogs with bonios on top. And we design games and we send invitations for like one week a year. I'm this crazy dog woman. <laughs> And it, that for us is our sort of little celebration. We would have been having a party for him at this stage, but we don't have him. But that doesn't mean that we can't laugh and be happy and listen. Absolutely. If he's looking down on us, I think that's what he'd want. Definitely. I remember Aidan's first birthday. That was really difficult because I, what do you do? I wanted to mark it in some way. And when we had his funeral... We only had like a couple of friends and, and close family. That, that was it. I didn't want to put my friends through it kind of thing because I knew it would be awful. So for his first birthday, I, f I had this song in my head and it was the Mad Hatter's Tea Party from Alice in Wonderland. And I thought, yes, it's his unbirthday. That's what it is. It's a very happy unbirthday. So we had this um, tea party in my mum's garden and we just decorated it with Cheshire cats and all sorts of things. And everybody dressed up. I was Alice and we had lots of white rabbits and mad hatters and it was a real celebration and loads of kids came we had bouncy castles and ball pits but it was just to, to mark his birthday in some way and then we released um, 37 red balloons to mark each week that I was pregnant with him and that to me was kind of a pinnacle point of sort of letting go and trying to move on I was five months pregnant as well at that point with my second son Tobiah and I just thought, this is the hope that I need to now. 
um, to start up a charity and um, start his legacy. Well, listen, I think this conversation is what Baby Loss Awareness Week is about. I remember thinking, what's the point of Baby Loss Awareness Week? It's like celebrating awful things in life, but it's not. I think it's about having a conversation that is constructive, like you're having with your well-being wallets, you know, educating people so that they are aware that they can seek help if they need to and what those warning signs are. But I think the other conversation and, you know, the other inspiration that, that you are is that you do life continues and life you can still feel happiness and you can emerge stronger and you can make a real difference and from experience when that's just happened to you you think this is never going to happen but it does and I think looking at people like you is a huge source of comfort for people who are in that situation so thank you for being so honest and thank you for coming to talk to us about it it's so oh, lovely to chat you. to you and if anyone wants to get involved and, and join our team we're desperate for volunteers and, and fundraisers to keep us going we've got so many plans for next year that we want to do to support um, expectant parents but also to, to support all the healthcare professionals out there that are doing this on the ground sharing all their innovations so if anyone wants to help then yeah so um, your website is mamaacademy.org.uk that's right isn't it that's right I'll put it in the episode notes and you're presumably still on Facebook yeah we're on Facebook we're on Instagram we're on Twitter and so what do they search just search for Mama Academy Mama Academy and you'll find us perfect well I would definitely follow Heidi on uh, on Instagram you know it's so lovely just having inspirational women um, who've who've become stronger in spite of what's happened to them so thank you Heidi uh, please do check out Heidi's website hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Parenthood don't forget to subscribe rate and review us and please do share this episode with anyone who might find it beneficial but in the meantime from Heidi and me thanks for listening and goodbye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.